people pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. What is that? Well, you can lose them in the woods. Girl, I'm not leaving you. They're not after me. You are about to be prosecuted for murder. Or you come and work for me. What's the situation, sir? And they've been giving London a taste of the troubles. I could use a dead shot like you. I'd say that's a step up for a man in your position. I'm going after the soldier that killed Carol. The man you want is working for the police. What's the purpose of your visit to? I'm looking up an old friend. Doesn't have long to live. Pay for this. Do whatever's necessary. You killed a pregnant woman. I've nothing. I'd like to finish this. Let's flush him out. I can't run away from this. Forgive me. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I'm talking with Charles and Thomas Gard. They are the co-directors of the new 2023 film called Dead Shot. The film will have a limited theatrical release starting August 18th, 2023. Be sure to check your local listings, and I hope you enjoy this interview. Obviously, your brothers. You've got yet another brother who also worked on the film. Your dad has been in the film industry. Were you pretty much always fated to be filmmakers? My mom was in the industry too. They met in the studio. She, mom was an animator and then an editor. We were just brought up in it and always loved it. And both our parents had a great love of film and had a huge Betamax collection of videotapes that we were obsessed about when we were younger. We have a photograph of the two of us in Monument Valley looking through an Aeroflex camera in the middle of a road, one of those giant roads. And Tom's looking through the camera and I'm holding it. And I'm probably three and Tom's probably five. It was always part of our lives. And I just can't get over how long you've been actually working in the industry already. We trained in the camera department. So we became assistant camera technicians and really loved that. Loved working with cameras and working with cameramen and women. And it was almost our natural home was the camera department. And then when we started making films, we used to muck around a lot together with video cameras, like many people do, and make things at home. But when we got to university, there was a comedy group in Cambridge called The Footlights, famous comedy 
group that people like the Monty Pythons and Brian Laurie, people like that came out of. And one of the guys there to write a script and short film. And we started prepping it. And obviously all the students just had no experience working on films or, and didn't really understand what was required. And I had to call Charlie up and say, look, Charlie, you've got to come up and help me out here because this is a nightmare. I'm never going to be able to do this on my own. And Charlie hadn't even started Cambridge yet, but zoomed up. And that was the first time we properly collaborated together. Yeah, I'd just finished working on Judge Dredd and I knew that I was coming up to university. So it was, yeah, it was, but um, yeah, it was the first time. And it would just work really well. The night before that shoot, Tom, going, sitting in that restaurant like scratching out storyboards and so anxious about what we were doing it was crazy but yeah everyone was like the students were like a 6 a.m call are you kidding me what was amazing about that was it was the first time that in a very semi-professional capacity we were doing basically what we had always done back to the days of monument valley (laughs) like looking through cameras setting up shots and just coming up with fun ideas of how to go about capturing something on film, whether it was a performance, a mood, a kind of, you know, something. It's the first screen role of Olivia Coleman as well. She'd done a lot of theatre and she was doing a lot of theatre, was a great star even then. But I think it was the first time she'd done something on film, video, as it was, as we were shooting on. It was a great experience. It's fun. I'm always curious when it comes to directing teams and especially when it comes to brothers working together, how do you guys divvy up the work? Like when you're working on something like Deadshot, is one doing the in front of the camera stuff while the other one's dealing with the behind the camera stuff? I'm like, how do you guys actually divvy up the work? We tend to keep it very organic. It's a very kind of fluid. It's all very much grows out of the conversation we're having we've been having with the actors that we've been having with each other in terms of the story and the direction of the story and everything just really evolves out of that we tend not to divvy up any roles it's not like one of us will deal with the camera and one of us will deal with the actors i think the pang brothers in china one of them preps one day and then we'll shoot that day and the other preps the other day and he will shoot that day. The rotor goes Monday and Wednesday. One of them's directing <laughs> Tuesday and Thursday. The other one's directing. <laughs> That's not really our speed. <laughs> Tell me more about Deadshot and where did the idea come from? We were shown the script by our agent and Ronan Bennett had written a couple of drafts and Chris Cohen was producing it and the project had never quite got over the line and had stalled and Chris was trying to reinvigorate it and had always believed in it and sent it to our agent and we jumped at the cat and mouse in it and the conflict between the two lead characters and we came on board and reflected it with a lot of stuff that was going on in in the UK at the time which was a lot of sectarian politics really in a way with Brexit and those kind of struggles and uh, that kind of became a fuel for it, for the story. Yeah, I found it very interesting that it's set during the Troubles, but it does feel so contemporary, to your point, that it does feel like there is the lens of 
2022-2023 looking at these things that were happening in the past? It was shocking. The more we explored the subject matter, the more shocking we found it, actually, how relevant it was to today. We very much went in with this pitch of making Holland and Keenan these incredibly kind of toxic males who are these arch manipulators taking characters like Michael and Tempest who perhaps have more innocent desires in their heart, but taking those characters and manipulating them into a, a place or putting them into a place where they were capable of enacting these kind of atrocious acts of violence. That was something that that we felt was very contemporary and was a worrying similarity, really, with what we're all going through now in, in terms of the politics and the world we live in. But there was, yeah, it's... Yeah. We also, we really tried very hard to tap into the kind of more universal aspects of the story, this idea of revenge and how hate and revenge and that thing that 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 can that engine can be so universal it doesn't necessarily need to be totally wrapped up in the world of politics like the troubles or brexit or any of these politics of the moment we definitely lent into that and that was something that we felt we could turn into a very compelling and entertaining narrative. Compelling is a great word for it because it is very much that, and your two main actors are just riveting. Yeah, they were phenomenal. Colin Morgan, who plays Michael, is from South Amar, so he really had lived and breathed many of the things in the film, and he was very familiar with it uh, and really connected with it on a personal level. And Amel also felt a, a deep connection to it too with his background and both of them brought so much to it for those personal reasons, we feel. They gave very instinctive emotional performances, which was a real treat in an action thriller. So we always love to go a bit further than is possible and definitely they brought, they lifted it up, lifted up the action and allowed us to access something that possibly you don't normally find in a film like this, which is what we'd really hoped, which was what our ambition was. I think you definitely succeeded. It doesn't just feel like two guys going after each other for no reason whatsoever, just for petty reasons. There's some real connective tissue inside of this film, and you really feel the struggles that they have with their own personalities as well as the world that they've been put into. And you guys really capture that time period very well. It must have been quite a bit of a challenge to make the world look like it once did. Yeah. With the kind of with the budget that we were working with and the time that we had, we knew that we really needed to find a, a location or, or a city to set the film in that would allow us to stay true to how we like to shoot, which is on as big a canvas as we can, really. And we don't like that that kind of following just actors just on their faces and staying with that. 
you love it's so nice to be able to see a period film when you do have wides and you can you can inhabit the city and make that a character in the story when we found glasgow we'd shot a commercial there actually years ago and always been really impressed with it and felt that it had that kind of grandeur of a really big city but it also had pockets large pockets that were seemingly untouched for years and years and that was what we set out to to achieve was being able to find a city that that hadn't been developed where the property developers hadn't moved in and converted everything into kind of very spick and span flats and stuff we wanted mud on the streets we wanted big city blocks that still hadn't been rebuilt since the war where bombs had fallen and wiped out buildings and they'd cleared rubble but there was still these urban wastelands that were there that felt to us really important and glasgow was amazing at being able to throw that out for us it was changing so quickly though we would scout stuff in prep and we would come back to it and it was different they already had scaffolding up so it was a real challenge. We felt very lucky that we were making it when we were making it because in six months' time, if we went back there now, it would be a different city. It's extraordinary how quick urban change happens. What were some of your other challenges making this one? The time, just the time we had to shoot quite complicated action sequences. In a way, those limitations actually forced the visual style out of the process, which was really interesting. We'd always been influenced by films like The French Connection and the breathlessness of it. But actually, we found ourselves just by default going into that mode because it was the only way to actually get through some of these sequences was to adopt that kind of style. It was quite liberating in a strange way that the limitations actually created an interesting aesthetic. Can you tell me a little bit about your DP? Because the cinematography on the film is remarkable. Matthias, he's an amazing DP. Matthias Rude, he he's Swedish, and we've worked with him for a number of years on commercials. And he he hasn't done too many films. He's done some films in Sweden, but for somebody who is as as highly regarded as, as he is in the commercial and music video world, it was a real honor to be able to work with him on this because we were just so excited when he arrived because going around showing him some of the locations that we had found and showing him some of the city it was really exciting to see how how fired up he got about about that rawness and the grittiness and yeah he was amazing he's brilliant tp i'm really excited for more people to see the movie mr guard and mr guard thank you so much for your time today this was wonderful thank Thank you so much thanks thanks mike
be an offensive. You must be prepared to break the enemy's morale.